0: Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see all of you this morning and uh, just a privilege to have you here, especially if you're a guest this morning. Maybe this is your first time with us. Uh, and again, all of you from Living Hope of the Bay, we've been praying for you. We're excited to have you here. And I know you know a lot about Pastor Craig, so I'm looking forward uh, to getting to know you guys uh, even more in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years and uh, just see what God is going to do in and through your lives as you become part of this church. And uh, and if you're a guest here, maybe this is your first time here, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor, and we're so glad to have you here this morning. Uh, we're actually uh, concluding a sermon series. So you're coming in at the tail end. Uh, that we've been on for the last actually 10 services, nine weeks, one of them being Ash Wednesday. And we've been looking at family values and we've been walking through the gospel of Mark. And also I wanna welcome all those that are watching via live stream, I forgot to do that. But those of you that are watching and following along from your homes this morning, so glad to have you here as well. Uh, But we've been going through the gospel of Mark and we've been looking at all these different values and seeing if they line up uh, with our values. And we've been asking God to challenge us and to just mold us and to shape us into what he would have for us. And uh, I did this the first week, I did this uh, eight weeks or nine weeks ago, and when I gave you the list of all of the different topics that we're going to cover, you might remember I had you circle the one that you felt, hey, this is one that I really need to focus on I really need to make sure that I'm here for. And so this week what I thought I would do is I'd give you that same list again and ask you which one of these had the biggest impact on you. And I also know some of you, you don't like words, right? Like sometimes I hear like people will say the outline has too much information and other times people will say it has too little information. Some of you are visual. Uh, So we did this for all the visual people this morning. The word people, you'll be fine. Uh, But those of you that are visual. (laughs) So you can just go right to the emojis, okay? And you can think, okay, out of all these weeks, all of these different topics that we've covered, uh, and maybe you're looking at the list and you're like, huh, I don't even know if I was here for half of those, right? Here's the amazing thing. You can go online and you can go back and you can watch or listen to any of these. And so if you're struggling, if there's something going on in your life, I mean, I would just encourage you to do that while you're driving in your car, maybe you're at home, maybe you're working out, whatever the case may be. But just get into God's word and watch as God uh, God's word transform your life. And uh, what an exciting journey that we've been on. Today, uh, this last value, we're going to be looking at how our family can give freely and generously. Amen? amen? Right? See, that was a good amen, right? Because most times, you know, people get a little uncomfortable. People don't like talking about money in church. Even having the, you know, the money emoji on the screen, you know, can be like, oh gosh, here it comes. Uh, but, but I want you to think about it this way this morning. As we've done all throughout this series, as we look at these topics, and what we're doing is we're looking at them in regards to in our own personal lives, but also how we're passing this on To our kids and to the next generation. And so um, this morning, maybe you're looking at this list and you're like, Tim, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't, you know, do any of the homework assignments. I didn't open the Bible. I didn't pray with my spouse. I didn't pray with my kids. I didn't do any of those things. And so I just wanna remind you of God's grace and His mercy that you get to hit the reset button, okay? Uh, This is one of my favorite verses when I'm beating myself up. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, never, right? His mercies never come to an end. They are new, how often? Every morning. Every morning you get a reset. Every morning you can start over. Great is your faithfulness. And so this is what's really cool about those cards that we handed out, over 500 cards that we gave to you. If you just flip it around, you're not going to believe it. There's another whole set of five boxes on the other side. So if it's on your fridge, make sure that you do that, because as we go into Holy Week and Easter, we're actually going to continue into the Gospel of Mark. So as a church, we'll have completed this whole book of the Bible together. Uh, The only one that we have to kind of backtrack a little bit is on Palm Sunday, so we'll be going back to Mark chapter 11. But pretty much throughout this, we've been going through each chapter uh, numerically. And so I would just encourage you, if you get the opportunity to do that, keep reading your Bible, keep reading it to your spouse, keep praying with your kids, keep doing those things. And so today as we conclude this series, as I said, we're going to be looking at our family gives freely and generously. And I was thinking about this this morning, um, or this week, how many of us actually grew up in a home that taught us or modeled generosity? How many of you did that? A couple of you out there where your parents actually sat you down at the table and said, hey, this is what we do as parents, as adults. Like, we give a portion of our income, we give a portion of our income to the church, we give a portion of our income to other nonprofits in the area, and so that was actually taught to you. Think about that growing up. What an incredible gift, what an incredible value that was passed on to you I've been amazed at how many people I've asked this question to, and a lot of them will say, you know, that was never actually talked about. There was never an intentional conversation about it. Certainly, I maybe have sat in church, if you were raised in the church, and maybe you saw your parents put an envelope in the offering basket, or you, know, you saw your parents you know, pull out money for certain things or donate to certain nonprofits. But if it wasn't taught in your home, where did you learn about generosity? Where did you learn that value if it wasn't taught in the home? Those of you that didn't get taught in the home. Isn't that interesting? Did you guys hear what they said? Church. Those of you that are watching, everyone said church, right? Which is probably a really good reason the church should talk about money and generosity, right? The Bible talks a whole lot about this topic. And so as you're a parent, maybe your kids are out of the house, maybe you have kids now, did you or have you taught your kids about the value of generosity? Now, I was thinking about this uh, this week again with my in relation to my family and Lisa and I, and we have not sat down at a kitchen table and talked to our kids about generosity. In fact, if you were to interview them, if you bring them in a room and ask them about, you know, our giving habits, they would just assume that we don't give anything at all. Because <laughs> I was thinking about this. Honestly, because we do the automatic giving, where it automatically comes out of our checking account, that when the offering basket comes by, we have ne- they have never, ever, ever seen us put anything in the basket. In fact, some of the ushers have caught on to this, and they just skip a row. They'll they'll go, oh, that's right, this row doesn't, and they go on to the second row. So my kids might even have the impression of, yeah, the church must give so that dad can have a paycheck, but dad doesn't actually give back to the church, right? So I am in this boat. Like, I realize that this is a value uh, that I need to sit down, that we need to talk about as a family together. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to see how this scripture plays out and how we can all have this be a value in our hearts and our lives. So I'd invite you to to grab one of the chair Bibles that are right in front of you. Of you, if you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat to mark the 12th chapter. We're going to be looking at page 849. And our main text today is four simple verses. Four verses that we're going to hone in on. And if you don't have a chair Bible or you don't have a Bible, uh, we invite you to take the Bible that you are now holding with you home today in fact, earlier this morning, he came in before the 8.30 service, he replenished the Bibles, he replenished it with 168 new Bibles, okay? So we, are, we have it ready for Palm Sunday and Good Friday, because we're going to say it at every single service, and I, you know that one of the greatest things we can give people is a Bible, so very thankful for Ron Droste who came in and did that. So if you don't have a Bible, please, on behalf of our church, take that home with you today. But let's look at Mark chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 41. This is what it says, And he, which is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Isn't that interesting? He's people watching. Any people watchers out there? (laughs) Any of you, you go to the mall and you don't buy a single thing, you just watch other people spend their money? Anybody do that, right? You go to a park, you go wherever. Literally, he's sitting down, he's just watching people he's observing people and it says many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny now here this is interesting we need to point this out right away uh, that this word rich this original text was written in greek and so often in our english language and in our minds we can think okay well this is the super rich or this is the mega-rich, so it doesn't apply to us. This just applies to that small percentage in our church and our communities that really make a ton of money, right? That's what this is talking about, and that's actually not the case. This word in the Greek just means those people that have means, that have money, that are able to give a portion of their income, and honestly, it doesn't even really affect them. It really doesn't even have that much of an impact. They're just doing what they're told to do. They're doing what was, what's always been the case in their customs and cultures. And so you have this poor widow who comes along, and she puts in two small copper coins, which make a penny. So you have these two extremes, you have these two different examples of what's taking place. And Jesus, remind you again, he's just simply watching what's taking place. Now at this time in culture, what they would do is they'd go into this part of the temple. Uh, It was called uh, the temple where the women were allowed to be. And there was actually 13 different offering opportunities. Think about this. And what they were is they were in the shape of a, of a horn. And so there was a small opening at the top. And as it went down, it got really big. And so when people would come with their coins and their offerings, they would put this thing into these receptors and it would make all of this noise going down. So as you can imagine, those that had more coins, those that had more wealth, would, would put these things in there and it would make all of this noise and it would draw all of this attention so that people would see it was a matter of pride, look at me, look how much God has blessed me because they thought that if you had wealth during this time that God's hand of blessing must have been upon you. There's no other reason other than God must have been blessing you and so they would say, look at me, look how much God loves me, look how much God's favors on me and it would make all of these noises and they had these little signs on the bottom of all, all of these 13 little stations. And it would say, okay, well, this offering's going for this, and this offering's going for this, and this offering's going for this. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of crazy if we took 13 offerings this morning, right? Wouldn't it be incredible, right? None of you would probably stay long at this church. So here he is, he's watching what's taking place, he's seeing these things take place. And so we're going to look at these next two verses where it says, He called his disciples to him. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, right? Which didn't really, at the end of the day, it didn't really uh, hurt them that much financially. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And then the text just ends. The story ends. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples, hey, I want you to go and I want you to give her some money hey guys, I want you to go and get some food and I want you to chase her down. I want you to make sure that she's taken care of today. He doesn't even look at the disciples and said, hey, I want you to model this, right? Because so often you can read these four verses and if you just take it at face value, what is the lesson here? That we should give 100% of our income away, right? How many of us want to sign up for that this morning? Right, they're like, now you're turning into a TV evangelist, right? Like what is going on here? That's not what is happening in this text. In fact, we have to dig a little bit deeper to find out. But in regards to that, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about just even the world that we live in and so often how sensitive a topic money can be and how often the church can be you know, put in that position where all you care about is money and all you want to do is talk about money and this and this and this and this. And this. Well, in fact, the verses right before that. There's, if you want to just look back to verse 38 in your Bibles or it's on the screen as well. It says this, that in his teaching, he says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feast. And it says, who devour widows' houses. Those are some strong words from Jesus. And for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. See, this is what's happening right beforehand, and if you were here last week, you might remember Jesus is in this dialogue, he's in this debate, you know, he's going back and forth with the religious leaders. Think about this, in the temple. It's God's temple, but it's the temple that they were assigned to, you know, uh, keep track of the financial affairs of the temple. And so he's having this argument and this debate, and he kind of ends with this, whole, with this whole statement, and right after this is when he sits down and he turns and he begins to observe people as they give their offerings. What's also interesting is that at this point in the story, this is actually Wednesday of Holy Week, of Passion Week. Jesus knows that the next day is going to be the last meal, the last supper that he's going to have with his disciples. He's going to institute Holy Communion, which we celebrated this morning. That he knew that he was only two way two days away from going to the cross for you and for me and for this widow and even for those religious leaders that he would stretch out his arms, that he would die on the cross and he would do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. He did something for us before we were even born. He died while we were in our sins and he did something for us in his grace and his mercy, stretched out his hands, took his sins upon, or took our sins upon him that he might die three days later, rise from the dead, that you and I could have life. And so often the scripture is looked at it like, well, she gave everything that she had, right? And and Mark's very particular in that he tells us there's two coins. The only place in Scripture where this story is listed is actually in Luke, and Luke doesn't give us a whole lot of details either. The one little detail that Luke adds to his gospel that Mark doesn't is that earlier on in his teaching, Jesus actually tells the religious leaders, he tells the Pharisees that they're a bunch of lovers of money. See, what this whole thing in context is, is this, is that this whole thing is actually breaking the heart of Jesus. Jesus. This widow shouldn't actually have been giving her last two coins to the temple. In fact, if you go back into the Old Testament and you read all the laws that God gave his people, you can read about it in Exodus and Deuteronomy, God put out certain plans that widows would always be taken care of. In fact, he had very specific rules for the, for, the, for the people of God and he had very specific rules even for farmers and what they were to do with their crops so that no widow would ever have to go without, that they would always be taken care of. And yet here he is again, right? I remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Craig preached and he talked about clearing out the temples and that they had made it a den of robbers and it wasn't a place of prayer anymore and now here they are again and the abuse is still taking place. And it's breaking, it's crushing his heart. But see, in Jesus' mind, he knew he was going to die on the cross. He knew that he would rise again. He knew that he would launch his church, which we read about in the book of Acts. He knew that he would right this wrong in this system. In fact, if you read the book of Acts and you find out how the church started, it says that they would come together in their homes and they would pray and they did these crazy things, like they sold their possessions, think about this, and they brought their possessions and the money that they had together and they began to give it to the poor and they began to take care of the marginalized in society. And the church from then on out has been hopefully, purposely, and intentionally making sure that it rights that wrong. But so often in our lives and in our churches and our society, money becomes that object, Right? Money becomes that thing. And so back to, you know, some of the churches out there. Maybe you've heard of churches that have mismanaged money. Churches that maybe something bad happened, not just with an individual, but maybe as an entire church. Or people that are out there, I don't know if you know any of these people that proclaim to be, you know, voices for God, and so they collect money based on that premise and then live these insanely lavish lifestyles. Do any of you know any of those out there? Right? Any of you seen any of these in the news or on your television sets? And you scratch your head and you go, wait a second, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how it's supposed to be. So as we read this text, this is what I would want us to do first, is to look at this text and, and evaluate our own lives. You see, we've all been given our own little worlds to manage, haven't we? God actually trusts us with our own little economies. Let's call them. And he gives us the jobs that we have and the influence that we have. And so we have this opportunity to own our influence, to, to realize all that we have is a gift from God. And that God throughout the Bible has asked us to give a portion of this out, to be generous with others. And it's not that God needs our money, it's for us. Giving each and every time is for us because it breaks down this spirit of pride the spirit of everything that we have is ours and so we cling to it with these clenched fists versus living these lives open to what he has for us see the difficulty in this passage is we don't know the woman's heart a lot of times we assume well she gave everything she had did she give everything she had because she was just so desperate and so this was just her and her trust for god and so you know here it is and she's just going to put it all on the line and she's going to go out without bread tonight and not only did she, she didn't even you know hold back one coin she gives both coins Or what is it that is taking place in this passage? See, I believe that God has called us to support those in need in our community. He doesn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Did you know that? In fact, isn't it interesting as you read the New Testament how many times it's mentioned to take after and to take care of widows? Paul writes all about it in all these different letters. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, he put it this way, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Isn't it interesting that both concepts are in this passage? That we would look after those that are marginalized, those that need help, those that can't do this on their own. And so the church rises up and as the church receives funds, then it then disperses them out and it understands that there are needs in the community and the church can be a place where people can come and receive, not just God's grace and mercy, they can receive this tangible thing, financial assistance. Think about that. Because this is what I believe, is that generosity actually produces a heart of compassion and humility. This woman obviously had humility. This woman obviously was at the end of her rope, and here she is, she's giving all that she has. And not only does it produce a heart of compassion and humility, which I'm going to say, every parent in here, you probably want your kids to mimic these values, don't you? You want your kids to have these values, not just in your service, and we talked about that weeks ago, in serving others, but also in what God has entrusted to us. And that by doing this, that it actually breaks these strongholds in our lives of greed and pride. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8-7, think about this in view of our sermon series, right? But since you excel in everything, and we've been saying, hey, here's all these areas that we can push ourselves forward in, in faith, right, believing that God still works today and performs miracles in our speech, in, in the things, and the words that we say, in the knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love for one another, loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves, you have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I want to show you a video this morning that we made last week. And I had the opportunity to go to Jim and Jen Pasiga's house. They've been members here for a long time. And uh, Jim and Jen uh, were actually, and Lisa and my, my wife Lisa and I, our first small group together. Uh, Henry was, wasn't even born yet. Lisa was pregnant with our eight-year-old. And it was funny, on our very first small group meeting, Jim and Jen called and said they weren't going to be able to be there because she went in labor with Owen. So it was kind of funny how that whole group started, right? But now that we've been in four different groups, it's nice that we're back in a group with them. And I have so much love and respect for Jim. Jim has helped me. He's just a regular guy in our congregation, right? He has helped me become a better husband, He is, just by watching him, has helped me become a better father. And I knew that he was really intentional. I I knew that he really had a handle on this value and passing this value on to his kids. And so I want you to see as I just ask him some questions what he has strategically done in his home. So let's watch this together. Today we're here with Jim and Jen Pasiga to talk about the value of generosity and how do you pass this value on to your kids, to your grandkids, to those around us. And I'm very thankful for them for opening up their home to us today and to really talk to us just about how they've done this with their own kids. Maybe tell us a little bit about how, how you guys went about doing this and when you decided would be the age that you would sit down and talk to your kids about actually giving uh, from their tithes and their offerings, part of their income to the church.
1: When uh, the kids started getting a little bit bigger and they started getting money for birthday and Christmas and things like that, uh, one of the things we wanted to teach them right off the bat is what money was for. And and In our family, one of the things that we believe God teaches is that money is for three things, for spending, for saving, and for giving. And so we wanted to make sure we taught them that right from the beginning so that they knew what it was for and would have good control of that during their life.
0: Well, sit us through what that first time sitting your kids down and and kind of explaining that to them. How how did they respond? How receptive were they?
1: For for a couple of them, it was very easy, very natural. Uh, It was, hey, you know, you you teach them what a tenth is, you know, kind of compute 10 percent. That was easy for them. And uh, a couple of them were very willing and it was easy, but, but one of them, my son, he was he had a little struggle with it the first time I talked to him about it. I looked at him and I said, "We should, uh, you know, give a tenth. You know, look at all the rest of this that you get to keep, but a tenth of it, you know, gets to go for offering." And he looked me straight in the eye, clenched his fist, and said, "This is my money, and no one can ever take it away from me." So we, uh, we kind of said, "Oh, okay." So we, uh, you know, we talked I said, "Well, why don't you let me hold on to that money, you know, that you got for your birthday, and then we'll talk again. And when you're ready to, to, to use it the way it should be used, then we'll, 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 you know, I'll give it back to you."
0: So what ended up happening then? Yeah,
1: that first time he was kind of okay, and I, I got the money, and then we talked again in another week or so. And uh, I asked him, I'm like, hey, are you ready to, you know, to start, you know, giving, you know, spending and saving? And yeah, he was very willing after that, he went and got the envelope and, you know, his 10 percent, and, and, and he was very willing from then on.
0: So was there a certain age that you said, hey, we think this would be a good time to start this process with them?
1: Probably like preschool age. Preschool yeah. age. Like okay. Yeah, when they started in the beginning, they didn't get money for their birthday and Christmas right away, and they certainly didn't have chores or anything right away. But when they started getting money, that's when we started right in the beginning. When they started receiving money, we started telling them what it's for. Man, um, yeah, just as soon as they can start understanding it.
0: So now, because you've practiced this for several years, they're used to this. They're accustomed to this. Yeah. Do you? Do you do you run into issues with it, or they they just have embraced this? They get it.
1: No, they get it. Like when it comes to getting money or getting presents or anything, we always say that you know God's going to continue to bless our family, and we need to make room for it. So whether it comes to when we get things, we need to get rid of old things, or when we get money and we need to to give and to save, uh, they're really willing to do it. So I when they get money, I say, what's the offering, and they quickly you know that's you know this you know ten percent. I say, "Hey, go get your envelope." And they go and they get their envelope. They put their money in, and then they'll put it in my wallet, either in my coat or on the table, so we can all remember to have it on Sunday.
0: So, did you spend any time uh, telling them kind of how you guys do it as a couple? Like, this is what we do with our income. So, we both have jobs. We
1: don't. We have. We don't necessarily have them watch us like we do by check, right? We have, we didn't do that, but uh, we do talk about that. You know, we give our portion and we state what our portion is, and uh, we give to the church. But what we also do is give to other things outside of the church. Um, so for example like uh, giving to people like in other countries that are maybe third world countries for example like World Vision They do a Christmas catalog to go through and pick whatever you want up to this amount and then also uh, We started trying last year where we would go and for the portion that we give outside of the church We'll have them kind of rotate what they want to give to some of them have things that they think of often some of them Sometimes have trouble thinking of what to give to but we make it you know part of the, the family deciding
0: there's uh, people watching this morning, maybe single mom, single dad, or uh, couples that are struggling to give themselves, and so they're going to watch this and say, "Well, I'm not going to sit down and have the conversation because we're not even doing that as adults, as as, as the parents." What what kind of uh, advice would you give them?
1: Well, I would tell them that it's it's never too late to start. I mean, you know, sometimes. Uh, for a lot of people giving isn't something that comes natural or something that they've really done but you can always start nobody's saying you have to meet some sort of criteria or anything special you can just have the conversation and just start.
0: And Jim you also head up uh, the Benevolence Committee at our church. So if there's members that are in need, even community people, we've opened it up. If there's a financial issue, they come in, they meet with you and your team, and you guys kind of assess. And uh, and you're also one of the facilitators for Financial Peace University. Mm-hmm. And so if there are people that are struggling, um, what what would you? How would you guide them? What would advice would you give them?
1: So if you're struggling in any area, Financial Peace is a great resource our church offers to be able to come through and go through the nine week class to learn a little bit more about uh, how to handle money. Uh, in any situation, uh, if you need help, our Benevolence Committee is there for, for members and non-members if you're really struggling. We've helped a lot of people uh, get out of being evicted you know, within a week or if they have car troubles or they're behind on their utilities, things like that. But then we also offer um, services for helping people budget. We're helping some people right now where we meet once a month. and. Um, help them through the budgeting process. We go and we get in the conference room, we spread the papers all over the place, we meet for an hour and we help them through and it's it's been really helpful for a lot of people. So whatever stage you're at, whatever you're struggling with, um, you know, you can come and meet with us and we can see if we can help you out, if not financially, with mentoring and guidance as well as the resources in Macomb and Oakland County. They
0: did a great job, didn't they? Any of you grow up on Kraft macaroni and cheese? Anybody? (laughs) This is what this guy had to say, right? He said, The only investments I ever made which have paid constantly increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. Pastors will do their greatest service in leading their men to understand the truth of God concerning the stewardship, look at this, of time and money. And this guy from the very beginning gave 25% of his income away each and every year. Isn't that incredible? John D. Rockefeller, still considered the most successful guy on the planet. He said, I would never have been able to tithe the first million dollars, which you might remember he made it to billions, I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. So here's our challenge, right? What are ways you can begin to live this life of generosity? You've probably already done this, but assessing the ways in which you and your family practice this, practice generosity, Ask God, pray to him, ask him to lead and guide you and then step out in faith and watch what God can do in your life and your family. Again, passing this value on to the next generation. Here at Shepherd's Gate, here's, you know, if you're new here, these are some of the things that we do as a community of believers We want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be the hands and feet into our community. So all throughout the year, and maybe there's things on here that we need to add, maybe there's things that we need to change, man, we're open to that. We want to make sure that we're actually meeting the needs of our community. There's no widow that's going without, and I love it so often, even with Step Out and Serve, so often the homes that we go and we work at are the homes of widows, people that have fallen on difficult times. And as many of you know, that every dollar that comes in our doors, 13% goes right back out and all the different ways that we can bless those around us. So you just believe that every age and every stage of life, right, can be generous. And so really this is a value that we can all own. And God's the one that sees our heart. He sees, he sees the attitude in which we do that. And I'm just so thankful to be part of such an insanely generous church. And I mean that with all of my beating. Those of you that you give faithfully and, and you give what God has called you to give and you trust the leadership of this church and that we can do the ministry that we do and we can continue to, to bless you and to bless those in our community and we know that God has even more in store for our future. And so as we end this week, as we end this sermon series, as we kind of just put the book end, this is the 10th service and we look at all of these values, once again this week, the challenge is look at this value in your family, look at this value in your life and let God lead and guide you. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the opportunity once again to open your word and just how powerfully four verses can speak into our lives. God, we're thankful that you always are watching over us. God, you know the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. God, you know that what we even do and how we respond with the resources that you have given us. And God, I just pray this morning that you would continue to call us to be the most generous people we can possibly be, to be generous in our homes, to be generous in our church, to be generous in our community. God, we don't ever want to get into a place where you look at what's taking place or the way that money's being spent and you just think, man, this is not right. God, we want to be the people that you have called us to be. So help us, God, once again, to be generous to do what it is that you've called us to do. And we just thank you so much for everyone that calls this place home, everyone that, God, you're continuing to move, and maybe you're going to have them call this place be home. And God, now we turn our attention as next week we start Holy Week, as we take this time out of the year to really pause and to think about those eight days, your last eight days on this earth. So, God, we pray for conversations with loved ones. We pray for conversations with coworkers and friends. Give us boldness and courage. And, God, if the candy bar helps, use that as a vehicle that people would be invited to be here to hear the greatest message ever, to hear what it is that you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. So, God, we also ask first for your blessing upon everything that takes place next week here at Shepherds Gate and in our community and churches all over the world that people that are far from you or don't know you would come to a saving knowledge of you. So God, we just love you and thank you. It's in your son's most holy and precious name that we pray and all God's people said amen. Amen. Will you please stand for the blessing this morning? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace.